you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name is Colin. I'm the C. Uh, not with me is Zijan the Z. Instead, have uh, Ed uh, the the E. Um, hello, Ed. Hi, Colin. Hey, uh, I think you might have the shortest name of anyone who's ever been on this podcast. Um, if you take an abbreviation of your name, um, as I am doing. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'll I'll take that. <laughs> That's, that's, that's an achievement. I wasn't even prepared. It was just as I was doing the intro, and I thought, Ed is the E. Well, that's, that's half his half his name right there, <laughs> <laughs> as long as you've already lopped off quite a lot of it. Um, Ed is Ed is here to talk about director's cuts um, with me today. Uh, we're also going to do a quiz on the films of Taika Waititi. Uh, I usually say, and much, much more, but that's basically, that's it. That's it. <laughs> but, um, except we're going to get to know you a bit better, Ed. Um, we're going to, the listeners at CDZ are going to learn all about you. Um, every every inch of your life. Um, but let's okay, talk about films. That sounds story. terrifying. It does a little bit. This is actually therapy. <laughs> um, so I didn't tell you that this was going to happen. Uh, what's your earliest memory? No. Um, film wise, Ed. Film wise, um, what kind of films do you do you enjoy watching? Is there a particular genre or, or period, or uh, or are there films you particularly don't enjoy watching? I always find that easier to answer. I would not say I have any particular genres that I do or don't like anymore. I think when I was younger, I definitely would have said probably science fiction or fantasy. Oh, yeah. Um, And then things like Westerns, I used to watch a lot when I was younger. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I think mainly because my dad was a massive Western fan. I was going to say, Westerns haven't really been in kind of in vogue for a long every now and again you think the Western is coming back. they'll, They'll make a Magnificent Seven remake or. Wild Wild West is the one that came to mind. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Dances with Wolves is probably a better example of a popular Western. Um, so were you kind of watching the old school Westerns? You were John Wayne's and all that? Yeah, so it was, it was mainly John Wayne. Um, and bits of sort of like Randolph Scott and people like that. But oh. primarily John Wayne, I would say. I, I would imagine I probably watched most of the John Wayne Westerns. Wow, okay. Um, I mean, I realise that's a big claim. I haven't, big... haven't fact-checked that, so, <laughs> but I've said it now. So. Well, fortunately, I've prepared a list of 70 John Wayne Westerns, <laughs> and the, the rest of the podcast is just going to be me listing them, and you saying yes or no. I think I've seen two John Wayne Westerns. I saw The Searchers fairly recently, which I talked about on the last episode of this, um, and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which I think he's in. Yeah, the man who shot Liberty Valance is. I mean, I suppose it's not a classic John Wayne Western, although he is in it because he's mm-hmm. not the main character. But um, that is one of the best ones, in my opinion. It's, it is very good. I'm a big, I'm a big Jimmy Stewart fan. Myself, yeah. so I, I watched it more as a uh, Jim, Jimmy Stewart rather than a Western fan. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge Western. I think I say watching The Searchers the other day, which is supposed to be one of the greatest films ever made or something, and you think it's maybe it's because it's 2021. But the whole um, cowboys and Indians thing uh, feels a little bit. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the kind of worldview of the uh, John Wayne Westerns probably doesn't stand up to modern scrutiny. <laughs> yes. Or the worldview of John Wayne. Um, well, no, that is true. No, you can't turn. You can't slander the dead. Do I like John Wayne? <laughs> Terrible person. Also, probably racist. Um, played Genghis Khan once. Um, yeah, I I think I may have seen that. I've certainly oh, yeah. seen clips of it because I have I have sort of memories of the footage. Right. Whether I've actually watched the whole thing. I mean, that is absurd, isn't it? I think I've only seen clips in kind of greatest hit compilations of the worst, most racist casting. Yeah. Um, it's like, um, what's his name in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? Well, um, yeah, I mean, this was something I, I might touch on later, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, okay. Um, 
Ah, I look forward to uh, look forward to that. That's some sizzle. Wow, Ed. <laughs> you, you've podcasted before. This will keep people in. Uh, do you have a favourite film? Do I have a favourite film? I would say no. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> solid material. <laughs> probably, probably one of the the first film that I remember being my favourite film. Oh yeah. Uh, was Gladiator, which I think I was oh, 15 right. when I first saw that when it came out. That's quite yeah. late to have a first favourite film. Is just, I, I guess most kids, like everything they see, they kind of love up until the age of maybe 10 or something. You just you can't imagine a bad film. Is that? Yeah, and as a kid, I, I, things like Star Wars, I was a big fan of, obviously. Right. Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I loved when I was a kid. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I remember, Gladiator was the first thing I remember being like really obsessed with and just watching repeatedly until I could... I think I'd memorized most of the script. Because uh, when we were growing up, um, we we didn't have that many films on, on VHS as it was back then. Mm. So I guess, yeah, more or less every film I had, I've watched loads of times, um, fairly uncritically. Um, but Although, I mean, you say Star Wars, obviously I didn't watch Star Wars until I was 18. And a lot of these kind of classics I never didn't see until like Jurassic Park, I don't think I saw until I was 18. And, uh, the Goonies I saw for the first time last year, things like this. So I, it's uh, yeah. a lot of stuff. I, you have to love growing up like Ghostbusters. I didn't see till I was in my twenties. Yeah, and that's interesting, wasn't it? Because the Goonies I saw for the first time as an adult and wasn't that impressed. Uh, Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal I both saw for the first time as an adult and didn't think that much of them. Yeah, I, I feel like I've not never seen Dark Crystal. I don't think I've seen all of Labyrinth. I've seen bits of it. Yeah, I'm always amazed watching eighties kids films by how inappropriate they are. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes the the, the for one for a better phrase, the John Wayne approach um, of you know racism, um, but also the just pointless swearing. It's like, like Back to the Future is my favourite film uh, and and a, a perfect film uh, in my view, but the amount of swearing in it would would never get put in today. No, there was. Have you ever listened to um, Simon Brew's Film Stories podcast? Uh, no, no, I, I lent myself to one movie podcast, Ed. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, other movie podcasts are available, Colin, oh, and, and that man. is one of them. Um, and yep, okay. he talked recently on that um, about the idea of films being um, film ratings and oh. how the sort of standards have changed. Mm. But unless a film is substantially recut, it won't normally be re-rated. Okay. And so a lot of those films, you know, from sort of the eighties, would probably get different ratings now, or, or they just cut those, you know, the swear words and things out. Yeah, and sometimes it goes the other way because it's, I mean, things like um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is an eighteen-rated film, and, and nowadays that would be a fifteen at most, I think. Mm. But it's just, I guess they were scared of the the uh, uh, the message of it, perhaps, rather than any particular graphic content. Uh, uh, what was the first film you ever saw at cinema? Do you remember? Yes, it was Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, oh, um, I thought. Which was because we never really used to go to the cinema, kind of as a family, as children. So that I remember distinctly was I think it was someone's birthday party. Ah, uh, yes, classic. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, what, I don't know what year that came out. I want to say ninety three, but I may be making that up. Yeah, sounds, sounds, yeah, I'd say early to mid nineties. That seems seems believable. So I think I think that was the first film I saw at the cinema, and then probably the last for several years after that. Okay, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I used to go just for birthdays and stuff. I think. Yeah. Um, this, which reminds me, so we're about the same age, Ed. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 this maintains the glorious thing on this podcast, where Zijan is very slightly older than me, and I go on about it a lot. Well, um, I did think that when I was because <laughs> I listened to a, a couple of the more recent episodes. Uh, yes. <laughs> last couple of days, and I was like, "You do make a lot of references to that. He's just slightly older than you, and I'm also just slightly older than you." And I was like, "Is is this why I've been brought in?" <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, basically yes. Ed. I just wanted to be able to make more jokes about someone who is very marginally older than me. But I mean, I, I'm I'm a younger twin. My entire life, I've been marginally younger than someone, and uh, and it's been a very key part of my life there. So maybe that's what's um that's what's going on. Uh, I. James Lee, who won't be listening, but he's he's he, he's our Star Wars expert. He comes on for every Star Wars film, basically, and he's um, three days older than me. So it's just clearly something that's very, very important <laughs> to me. <laughs> now, there's a bit that I always throw at every every guest, and and they've never, no one yet on the podcast has given a quick answer because um, because it's not a thing that's easy to answer quickly. And I always cut around it. But Ed, you and I know each other through improv. Yes, and and so you'll be yes. There you go. That's, <laughs> That's the training coming to the <laughs> Uh So you'll be able to give me an answer straight away when I ask you, Ed, if there was a film of your life, um, what would it be called and who would play you? Ooh. So what would it be called? Um, apparently I say have fun a lot to people. Oh, yeah. So maybe, maybe it would be called that. I don't know what relevance that would have to my life, but that, that's something that immediately jumps to mind as something that's been pointed out that I, I apparently say a lot. I quite often say have fun. Basically, I don't really like saying good luck to people. I think it's yeah. a bit silly. So I say have fun as an alternative to, to good luck. Um, well, I think I also just say if like someone's going out somewhere or whatever, I just oh, yeah. it's like an automatic <laughs> thing. I just say, it's like, oh, have fun. And like, yeah, apparently I say it a lot. And last, last time I said it to someone was, uh, well, not the last time, uh, was when I was dropping off at the hospital. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so it's called have fun. Is there an exclamation mark in that? I, yeah, I think there probably needs to be an exclamation mark. I think so. I think so. And who would play me? Um, people used to say, uh, no one said it for a long time, but people used to say <laughs> that I looked exactly like Simon Amstel. Did you have longer hair? Um, uh, at the time, me and him had the same hair. Right, right. Um, okay. Yeah, no one seems to, When I say this, people now, no one seems to see the resemblance. I can, I can just about see it. I guess. I mean, I think he's about a foot taller than me, so <laughs> he would have to probably walk around in a trench or something. But yes, I'm sure that they'll. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what what this film is going to be about, but you may not have reached the peak of fame where they need to match your height precisely. <laughs> Did you ever watch um, uh, Foxcatcher? Steve Carell, Mark Ruffalo, Channing Tatum. No, I don't think so. Anyway, Steve Carell, who's already got quite a large nose. Anyway, he he's playing this real life guy who had a massive nose, and he had all these weird prosthetics to make his nose bigger. But it's like no one knows who this guy is. You don't need to match your nose to his. Um, <laughs> this is how I feel about uh, Simon Amstel walking around on his knees in order to, <laughs> uh, in order to really play you properly. Um, Great. I'm gonna. I mean, obviously, I'm editing that, so people won't know Ed whether you answered that straight away or whether you spent an hour googling features uh, <laughs> of actors. Uh, was I say? Um, we we move on to the. Uh, we usually do a bit of news at the start of this podcast. I'll cut that fairly short for this, but I will hit a few things. And um, you can, uh, and if we, we're doing this over Zoom, we usually do this over Skype because Zeej and I don't like to look at each other too much. Um, but uh, I'll I'll be able to tell Ed if you're looking really bored by the topic, and we'll, and I'll move us swiftly on. Um, but the first piece of news is about the new Spider-Man film. I'm looking, you're looking. No, 
poker face um which has got a title and the title is no way home are you are you an mcu fan do you watch more uh, yes i am i i've seen all of them probably seen all of them at least twice now i would say ah, okay so um so the third spider-man film in this uh trilogy I guess. um although i don't know if they're stopping at three uh, and they've both had home in the title I had homecoming and far from home so there's a lot of speculation uh, listeners to this podcast will know that we've been calling it spider-man homeward bound for quite some time um, <laughs> but uh but no, no way home I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with it because uh, they're, they're going into the multiverse, aren't they? Um, it certainly, certainly seems that way. And and obviously they left it in kind of an interesting place at the end of the last one. I don't know whether we want to get into spoilers, but... Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably fine. Uh, yeah, because we... Marvel, the MCU, has really kind of avoided um, secret identities for almost all its characters, mm. uh, apart from Spider-Man. Spider-Man was still kind of... You know, uh, under the mask and, and yes you say at the end of uh end of far from home he, he was revealed to the world that uh, he is peter parker uh yeah so so we've got that we've got yeah all sorts of multiverse so we're, we're still expecting to see toby Maguire and andrew garfield uh, even though they've said that's not happening and uh, and they've got their own plot lines <laughs> uh, yeah. to, to cover so yeah no way home doesn't tell us it suggests possibly that they get stuck in the multiverse but, uh, well i mean that that's what I would assume based on that title, but who knows? Or maybe a bus gets cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. Um, sad news from, from for Emma Tom Emma Thompson Emma Watson fans. Uh, Emma Watson has allegedly retired um, from acting. Now she is definitely younger than us. <laughs> uh, I, I'll be honest. I saw this on Twitter and I didn't bother to check it, so it might not be true. But let's assume for the purposes of this that it is true. That seems very young to retire. How many films has she actually done outside of Harry Potter? She did well, Perks I, of Being a Wallflower. She did Beauty mm. and the Beast. What else is there? Uh, she was very briefly in Anna Karenina, uh, I think. Uh, the Colony was a film which I thought was pretty good, but didn't get massive release. Um, the Circle. Was she oh, Little Women? Little Women, yes, was her most recent one. I yeah. Think. Uh, but yeah, I looked at her IMDb, and she's not. She's done a film every other every other year, maybe for the last few years. So it's not a big. She seems to spend more time act- activisting, mm. activising. So I'm, I'm I'm waiting for that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child film. Yeah, oh, no, ten years or so, I think. So I wonder if she'll come back for that. I mean, at, at this, you know, at this point, her saying she's retiring arguably doesn't mean very much, does it? Because in five years' time, she could change her mind and unretire. Yes, I don't. She doesn't have to hand in her equity card or yeah. a Screen Actors Guild card. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I, I like the Harry Potter films. I, I wasn't kind of waiting with bated breath for the next Emma Watson uh, film. So it's no. I thought she was good in Little Women, I, and I like that film overall. So she played Meg, right? I'll say yes. Cool. Uh, <laughs> if I remember the book rightly, uh, Meg is the one who uh, whose character traitors she likes ribbons. Anyway, uh, streaming services, Ed. You must be a man who streams things. Yes. Um, what streaming services do you have? Um, currently, Amazon Prime and Netflix. Oh, and Apple TV, which Apple is TV. full of many great <laughs> shows. Was that deliberate or was it just because you have an Apple product? Um, yeah, it, we, we're slightly odd because I got a new iPhone and deliberately did not pick to have Apple TV with a contract because it was more expensive. Okay. And then they just gave me a year's free Apple oh. TV. So I suspect they may be slightly desperate for people to watch Apple TV. 
Yeah, I mean, I I hear good things about Dickinson, um, but only from Haley Steinfeld on Twitter. Um, yeah, and that's the, the only thing I've watched on it so far is um, what's it called, Mythic Quest, which is a comedy about some people working at a video games company, oh, yeah. uh, which was very good actually. Um, I did a really good coronavirus uh, special. Ah, okay. Um, Dickinson is the only other thing on there that I am at the moment inclined towards watching. Well, there you go. Both Haley Steinfeld and a Haley Steinfeld fan accounts that Haley Steinfeld retweets uh, are big fans <laughs> of Dickinson. Uh, well, I, I mentioned this because Paramount Plus is is going to be added to the big pile of um, mm. of streaming services. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's coming to the UK, but um, it it seems to be in, in the same vein as HBO Max. It's, big studios have realised that no one is going to cinemas um, for another six months, probably, and everyone is streaming stuff. So it seems to be more kind of uh, have our back catalogue and also Top Gun Maverick, for example, um, is going to be out there. Are, are you tempted to, uh, to, to expand to Paramount Plus? No, and I think if anything, the more of these different services exist, which you know presumably are going to hoard their own films, mm, mm. and it sort of devalues the whole, you know, the benefits of having sort of say Netflix or Amazon Prime because they're going to have yeah. less stuff presumably. Yeah, and I think this is probably why they're both pushing their like their own content a lot more now. Um, so I, I have Netflix, and I'm, at the moment I have Prime, but only for a, a month because I'm. Uh, I wanted to watch some stuff on there, and, and uh, oh, yeah, football—that was it, football. <laughs> um, and so uh, I'm kind of watching stuff uh, quickly on there before I give up at the end of the month. And I have Disney Plus as well, which uh, has become more interesting recently because they've they've now got a whole bunch of uh, basically the old Fox back catalogue films on there. Oh, uh, is this the Disney Plus Star or whatever? It's Star, called? that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're you're right. If it's just, and this is what I, I have phenomenal numbers of dvds so I, if i want to watch a film i generally have it or well, a lot of the kind of back catalogue i have but yeah you're, you're right we don't want to get to a place where you all have to get like eight different streaming services in order to watch uh more diverse range of films well so this this my strategy was that i'd, I'd stopped amazon prime and i stopped netflix and i had just started buying dvds from charity shops uh, yeah, yeah, but obviously yeah. that that currently is yes. not possible. Trickier. But I, I basically worked out that that was a lot cheaper. <laughs> and this, yeah, I mean, most of my DVDs are, are secondhand, either Charity Shop or, or uh, Amazon Marketplace. I guess for me, I, it, it can be cheaper, certainly, particularly if you're buying the older older stuff for a pound a time or something. And that's, But it's certainly cheaper than renting it via Prime, for example, mm. if you've got, to, you've got to pay for it. What I find, I think if you just want to watch a film... Streaming makes a lot of sense. You can just find a film you like and watch it. But if there's a film you want to watch, it's quite difficult to track it down um, yeah. at the right time or for, for the right price or else. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with DVDs for a while. Zack Snyder wants to do a, a King Arthur film. I only put this in because this seems like a terrible idea. Um, are we, we have <laughs> King Arthur films, haven't we? Yeah, well, it's funny. I as a, When I was younger, I was really into the whole sort of King Arthur story. and. Okay. I've probably, you know, seen and read quite a lot of different versions of the mm. story. And I think imagining what I think a Zack Snyder King Arthur film would be like. Yeah. I have no interest in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, same. I mean, I'm, I'm not really interested in any... I, I, I've never been a King Arthur fan particularly, unlike you, but I, I don't think Zack Snyder knows how to write a story. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, Watchmen I thought was pretty good, but it was very similar to the, the comic book, and, and I'm told 300 is very similar to the comic book, I've not actually seen or read. Um, but, yeah, Batman v Superman was just a huge mess. I just, I just don't think he knows what makes a good film. Um, so yes, I think you're right. King Arthur under Zack Snyder's tutelage would not be um, would not be an exciting prospect. Now the podcast is is 50 more Caucasian than it normally is, um, so this seems like a good time to talk about um, the fact that both Supergirl and Superman uh, might be becoming non-Caucasian. Uh, so Sasha Kal, who is uh, Latina, has just been cast as Supergirl, and there's rumours of a Superman reboot where Superman is going to be black. Any thoughts, Ed? Uh, on on the uh, multi-ethnicity of, of Kryptonian superheroes? I mean, I think, to me, that seems fine. I mean, they're, they're not characters where their ethnicity in any way plays into mm. who the character is, right? So I don't really see... I suppose you could argue with Superman that he's supposed to pass as, like, someone living in rural Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... It's not like it's, you know, whatever it was in the 1930s when Superman was first started and, yeah you know, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't see that as being in any way difficult for the character. No, I, I quite like the Supergirl thing. I think, I don't know Sasha Kyle at all. I've never heard of her before, but uh, I think that that's, makes a nice change of pace from just blonde hair, blue eyes, and then, yeah, why not? Uh, the Superman ones, I think, is weird because, I mean, partly because we've got a Superman who's not really mm. fair crack whip, I think, but... um. I think what you say about he he passes as this basically Kansas farm boy, but I, I'm assuming this guy will not be Clark Kent. It will be some other character, and, and I don't know the comics as well as Zijan does. But there are there is a rich history of various other people becoming Superman, um, particularly after the death of Superman. So maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, because I think Steel maybe mm. is black. Yes, yes, as played by some basketball player. In the nineties, yeah. maybe it's about like when Spider-Man when they did Miles Morales and like we've had enough Peter Parker, but rather than just changing who Peter Parker was, change who Spider-Man was. Why not? Uh, cool. That's all. That's all the news I have. Um, we move on to a segment we call "To See or Not to Z," um, where we talk about the films we have seen and tell you, the listener, whether you should see them or not. Z them. Um, you may have guessed that this was originally suggested by my friend Jenny as uh, "To See or Not to Z," uh, which I refuse to say. Um, <laughs> Uh, so briefly, because we've used quite a lot of time already, um, I saw the film Greenland. That was one of the films I watched on Amazon uh, Prime, which is a disaster movie starring Gerard Butler, who uh, listeners to the show will know is uh, one of my least favourite actors, um, and I don't think has ever been the first choice for, any, first choice for anything. Um, and Marina Baccarin, who I think is great. Um, I'm a big fan of Firefly, and I enjoyed it in Gotham. Uh, and it's it's actually good. I was surprised, because um, I don't generally go for the whole Roland Emmerich this isn't Roland Emmerich, but uh, I don't think. But the whole kind of the world ending, but it was quite, quite good. I thought in terms of um, it wasn't necessarily that interested in the huge epic scale of everything going wrong. It was more kind of focused on a, a family and how it actually realistically might might affect people, um, and also uh, kind of response to the way the so the government had got this list of people who were going to be taken to safety, and there's a lot of people who weren't on that list, obviously, and the kind of response to that. So uh, I think it's it's worth seeking out for people who have Amazon Prime. Um, I also watched Free Willy 2, um, <laughs> which uh, 
It's terrible. Oh, I think um, I've seen that a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago is the right time to see it, yeah. <laughs> um, I, Free Willy was my favourite film when I was a kid uh, for several years. And, um, and I think still holds up. Uh, but this one does not. It's uh, at the end of Free Willy, as you, you may recall it, Jesse discovers that he is in fact loved and doesn't need to uh, doesn't need to fight against his adoptive parents. Everything's good. Everything's rosy. Um, so rather than giving him any more uh, obstacles or struggles, they just bring in a new kid with exactly the same situation he was in in the first <laughs> film um, to learn exactly the same lesson. Um, which, in fairness, he does. And I think whales were harmed less in this one, so that's good. Um, that, that is always good yeah i personally prefer to go for zero whale harm in a film that i watch but... i mean yeah in an ideal world Ed, but come on <laughs> <laughs> name a film that didn't harm any whales you've you've got me you can't, you can't, be, can't be done can't be done uh yeah no i've watched too many films this year but um that was one that i had in the background when i was doing some other stuff in fairness but it, it was awful uh have you been watching any films recently ed yeah, so what have I seen recently? I watched Donnie Brasco yesterday, oh, yeah. which I had never got around to watching before. And I would say it's fine. Okay. I, I think I didn't I didn't I didn't love it. It's it's perfectly watchable. Hmm. I think it was a film where none of the characters are particularly likable. Yeah. yeah. Um which I always find a bit challenging. Hmm. Um, you know, you're not really rooting for anyone. It's also, I mean, to anyone who hasn't seen it, the, the basic plot is it's about a FBI agent who goes undercover with the mafia. But I think, I think it doesn't really make clear specifically what he's trying to do, other than just to sort hmm. of generally infiltrate the mafia. So I don't think there's a very strong narrative drive to the film. Okay. Which again, I find a little bit difficult. Yeah. I- I saw it for the first time last year. I really liked it, actually. I, I, okay. I like, um, you make a fair point about the, the motivation maybe not being entirely clear. But I, what I liked, I think, was the way that Johnny Depp's character, the, the guy who infiltrates, it slowly gets eroded and he becomes more and more like the people he's he's trying to take down. I thought that was done pretty well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that's good. I think I like Al Pacino's character, the idea of him yeah. being a sort yeah. of like slightly loserish uh, mafioso. Yeah. So. And not uh, as over the top as Al Pacino sometimes is. I mean, it wasn't... Yeah necessarily understated but it was so, just, yeah. yeah i think there's good performances and i think it's kind of well put together and it's you know it's believable hmm. but i think it just didn't totally grab me i would say i don't want to embarrass you ed but um you could have said that as a film with no whale uh, harm now that i think about it that was <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always after the time <laughs> it strikes you isn't it um uh well that's what i've seen i saw mission impossible fallout Oh, nice. Which I had not seen before. Um, that's the f- uh, sixth one. Sixth one. Most yeah, I think one. that's the most recent one, yeah. Which I enjoyed. I thought um, it's not it's not you know an all-time classic. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but it was... Hmm. I think it's what I probably wanted from a Mission Impossible film, which is just lots of high-octane action hmm. and people pulling off face masks and, yes. you know, general hijinks and double-crossing and... Have you seen all of the uh, all the missions impossible? I think I have not seen Mission Impossible Five, but I have seen all okay. the other ones. Um, it's in, five and six, I think, is the first ones that have got the same director. Um, mm. And five is five is good. Six is better. Uh, I think six kind of builds on five, but it's interesting to see the same director have another go at it. Effectively, and he's doing the next two, I think. So it's, it's kind of in Chris McQuarrie's hands now. Yeah, I um, think I think the only 
I think I would have really loved it if it wasn't for the fact that I think there's at least one and possibly two car chases that I just think go on a bit too long. Mm. And there's a helicopter chase that I felt went on a bit too long. Oh, uh, uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I, I think it's those bits that slightly lost me. Because I, I, I'm not a big action fan, so I don't really go for the whole chaser stuff. But I think Mission Impossible does them so much better than anyone else mm. um, that I have seen. And because it's a lot of it is done for real, um, or at least uh, made to look real, even if it's not, but a lot of it is real. And, and it doesn't go kind of crazy fast and furious with trading three cars all tied together in the air or something. It's kind of <laughs> stuff that, while nuts, kind of is at least physically possible. Um, yeah, no, I think there's some amazing bits in it. Like there's the bit where Tom Cruise, I think he drive down some steps and he sort of spins mm. round in yeah. the car, which he actually did. And I think I think did in yeah. I think they maybe took about five takes or something to get that shot. And it is incredible. Yeah, I, I think my favourite is where he hits the car with the motorbike and goes flying over the bonnet, mm. um, which again was. Um, I mean, he did it for real. I think not necessarily at the speeds and in the and also crash mats and stuff. But it was. Um, uh, still done fairly real I think uh, yeah Zijan loves that film he's a big fan uh, we, we have a thing on this podcast where I'm, I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise and I, I make Zijan watch Tom Cruise films and he uh, <laughs> but he was he was happy about that one not always a, he still reminds me of The Mummy um, that I made him watch I have not seen that I did recently watch uh, rewatch the two Jack Reacher films which I had seen oh, yeah. before um, and which I, I enjoyed the first time I saw them and I, I enjoyed rewatching them they're good fun aren't they yeah, yeah. Um, I think the first one stands up better than the second but they're both very both decent um, yeah I've never read the books so I don't get upset no, about Tom being yeah. a foot too short but um, <laughs> the, the reverse problem to the have fun movie yeah well <laughs> which big fans of you will be outraged um, <laughs> are you are you taller or shorter than Tom Cruise Ed um, I well I mean how tall is Tom Cruise really that's a good question I think it says that online that he's five foot six, in which case I'm slightly taller than him. That's what I'll put on, you know, my dating profiles if I ever need to create one. <laughs> slightly taller than Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. That's good enough. 1.7. Why does Google always give it meters? 1.7 meters means nothing to me. I couldn't for the life of you tell me, uh, I'll tell you about this. Five foot seven, he allegedly is. Mm. Is that what you said? I thought it was five foot six, but yeah. All right. Fine. I think I'm one, one point seven two meters. So <laughs> we've had to go down to centimeters, but he's, he's done it. He's done it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm. I'm going to say I'm definitely taller than Tom Cruise. Um, that's I, on my dating profile. It's all the way definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and richer than Tom Cruise. It's a lot of lies. And <laughs> um, let's move on to the main segment today, uh, which is director's cuts. Um, we're going to be talking about the well, we've not talked about exactly what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be the the ones we like, the ones we don't, the reasons why, what makes them work, what makes them not work. Uh, why would why did why do them at all? Those are the kind of things I imagine we might be talking about. Uh, well, let's start with that. Why why would a director do a director's cut? What's the what's the point in this life? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the most common reason is that they somehow lost control of the theatrical cut and that they want to go back and make the film as they imagined it should have been in the first place. Yeah, which in itself kind of suggests a certain amount of power the director has. It's a kind of very weird niche of power where they're not quite powerful enough to get the film they want, but they're powerful enough to get a re-release of it. Presumably it's people who become more well-known in that window, is it? Or or maybe just 
I've got some of these. I think just the film did so badly originally that they're trying to salvage it in uh, in home release. So, mm. yeah. Well, so, so my understanding is that the big change in how much power directors had uh, came with Heaven's Gate, right? Uh, okay, with the- and it was a film that sort yeah. of had a massive budget and you know huge overruns, and then was a flop and was kind of critically panned, and that, that yeah. was seen as the director had got out of control. You're probably right. I think because I imagine in the early kind of the studio days, the director had no power at all, more or less. It was mm. just the, the producers. Um, yeah, yeah, Sam Goldberg. That's not right. Sam something Goldwyn. Anyway, um, and then yeah, maybe it became more towards the auteur and yeah, we trust the director until they spend a uh, several hundred million of our money and it all goes wrong. I've not seen Heaven's Gate, but um, did that get a director's cut? I'm it sure. has got a director's cut. Okay. And yeah, I've. I've which I found out um, doing some background research for this. Oh, this is what that, research, good work. And um, so I, I did try and see if I could track down a copy of it to watch, uh, which I could not. Okay. But yeah, there is apparently a director's cut, which is reckoned to be very good. So yeah. I would like to see it. And this is one of these things a lot of people say, oh yeah, the director's cut's great. Uh, and some, because I, I was doing a bit of, bit of research on this, and there's, there's not many films, there's hardly any in fact, where I've seen the kind of, the the original and the director's cut. I've generally seen uh, one or the other. Um, I've, I've got to, I think sometimes it's, yeah, as you say, the big disagreement and they say, right, so I guess what, let's let's go for the most obvious one, well, one of the most obvious ones, which is Blade Runner, I think. And that is where, yeah, Ridley Scott and the studio, whichever studio, Universal, whichever studio it was, uh, had big disagreements. Uh, there have been, what, four different versions of this film? Maybe there's certainly been at least three, so maybe four. Yeah. Um, and Ridley Scott, I guess, became more more powerful after. I, I'm never quite sure who the driving force behind these things is. Um, I don't know who it was who wanted the Blade kind of Blade the Blade Runner re-releases. No, well, I, I guess presumably the director wants to revisit it and try and make the version they wanted. And I guess a classic director's cut is sort of just reusing the existing footage right so it's yeah, probably relatively yeah. cheap for the studio yeah i guess yeah most of you right it's just less i mean sometimes it's just reinserting deleted scenes isn't it and that, that's got to be very mm. very cheap sometimes i guess they'll do some new music cues or whatever i think part of the reason that there have been so many blade runner ones um is because even in the kind of the direct director's cut i'm doing air quotes for everyone who's not heard um the director doesn't have final say necessarily so I was like, well, they put out another version, but it wasn't. It still wasn't what I wanted it to be. So, which versions of, of Blade Runner have you seen? So I've seen the sort of original theatrical version. Okay. Um, I think I've certainly seen a version that's got the narration. So I think I think that's the original theatrical version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I've seen the final cut, which I think the final cut is the most recent director's cut, but. I'm not 100% so I, sure. I think I've seen the ultimate cut, um, which I think is the most recent one. Okay. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's just maybe that's the same thing. Um, no, because I, I did have a feeling in the back of my head that he has done another cut since the final cut. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, ultimate and final uh, are synonyms. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess the this happens to me at work when I when I name when I name things uh, name folder or name name word documents or something I have like version final then version final two yeah final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I've only ever seen clips of the the the, the bit with the voiceover the, the narration um, and, and I say I've seen the ultimate one and and the, 
I think everyone agrees it's better, but it's weird in that there's these kind of long silences at the beginning and ending of scenes sometimes where clearly that's where the narration was. Mm. And so the scene happens and they all just sit there for a bit. And um, uh, that I don't know why they just cut that out. <laughs> it's like you don't do this, but it's, it's, an, it's a kind of futuristic noir, isn't it? So the narration kind of works from a noir yeah, point of view. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I haven't thought about that. Did it work? In, do you remember the original whether... Yeah, which do you think was better? Did you have a? Well, I there was quite a big gap between me seeing the two versions. So I saw the version with narration first, and then yeah. I saw whichever the other version was that I've seen. Yeah. Much more recently, and okay. I liked both of them. I, I don't know if I could definitively say that the newer versions are better, but it certainly I didn't think it was worse. Fair enough. I, uh, my mistake, it is called the final cut. There was the, the theatrical release, then the broadcast version, uh, then the director's cut, and then the final cut. Okay, yeah, so, I, yeah I, the final cut's the one I've seen then. Same. And, and I think that is because Ridley Scott didn't really have um, full control over the, the, the director's cut. And so that was, I mean, Blade, Blade Runner, I don't think, did brilliantly well on release. It was more of a cult classic. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, but that, that was clearly one where the director didn't like what the they'd done um the, the most obvious one at the moment is the snyder cut um, yeah so uh justice league the, the, the potted background for anyone who wasn't following uh zach snyder made batman v superman he was going on to make uh justice league he got well i think officially left by mutual consent um <laughs> and joss whedon came in and basically reshot almost the well maybe a two-thirds of the film half the film uh and re-edited the stuff that had already been shot and made a completely different much shorter film with um, slightly more of the Joss Whedon style, the kind of more the Avengers style, bright colours, um, lovable characters, quippy dialogue. Um, and it, I thought it was actually, I enjoyed it at the time. I think it's a bit of a mess, but I enjoyed it. I came out of the cinema thinking that was good. Maybe just because the ending was good. Sometimes I get I get con <laughs> by the last five minutes. Um, Zack Snyder fans got very upset for several years and now we're getting the Snyder cut. But yeah, this is a bit different in that he has had a lot of money to do reshoots and re-edit and rescore and add whole new characters in. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not really a director's cut in the classic sense, is it? It's, hmm. It is effectively... Well, so the thing I read, and I don't know how true this is, is that Joss Whedon only used about 10% of the footage that Zack Snyder filmed. I don't know if I quite believe that. Okay. That, that. Yeah, I'm not sure. That seems unlikely. But I think, I mean, based on the fact that this is going to be four hours, this this new thing, I think. Yeah. I guess he threw out a lot. So yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I know with um, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, hmm. there was a kind of ultimate edition where he stuck back in like half an hour of footage that hadn't been used. Yeah, and I've, I've seen that actually. So that's one of the few films where I have seen both versions. And I guess that brings me on to, on to the next. We'll come back to more Snyder, but it's it's a uh, where it is basically just reinserting deleted scenes, mm. which is the cheapest and laziest way of doing it. Um, I've got a lot of superhero films written down for this. Actually, they seem, they seem to do that a fair few. Well, not so much now, but they did a lot. Um, the Batman v Superman. I mean, the stuff they cut out made the film not make sense. Uh, and basically, <laughs> putting stuff back in, you're like, okay, I now understand what's happening more. But that's you shouldn't have to have the extended version just to understand what the plot was. Yeah, and I think I think that is what I'm going to be interested to see with the Snyder Cut because I didn't massively like Justice League, mm. 
in fact, I, I would say I disliked it. Sure, uh, sure. Um, and I think one of the reasons why was I felt like it didn't make a lot of sense. And I felt like yeah. the characters weren't established very well, which I think are both things that can probably be corrected with more film. Yes. Yeah, I was I went in with my expectations rock bottom and I really hated Batman v Superman. Yeah. So I think same. I yeah, so I think I liked it compared to that. I mean com- compared to uh, any of the Marvel films, you know, I should say it's, it's worse than almost all of them. Uh, maybe not maybe all of them. Um and I like Joss Whedon a lot as a director, not necessarily as a person. Um it's all sorts of well apparently. Yeah. Let's, let's not get into the details of Joss Whedon's alleged uh, indiscretion. I've probably on safer ground saying this stuff about John Wayne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne flipping ruin Justice League, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, I think there's all sorts of interesting stuff he's going to throw into this this longer version, and I'll definitely watch it. This um, Justice League cut, but you're right; it's not really a director's cut, is it? It's it's, the, it's a completely different beast. Even even if Blade Runner was kind of the original vision, this is much more the original vision. Um, well, and, and the fact that they've given him so much money, and the fact that yeah. they're because so my understanding with. Um, Snyder was that they'd finished principal photography and they were in post-production where he left, right? Yeah. And a normal part of post-production these days is you would go back and do pick-up sure, shoots, sure. right? And so when they're talking about him doing new footage now, hmm. I-, I wonder if that is just the kind of pick-up footage that they would have got during post-production right. normally anyway. I think, yeah, I think it mostly is. But I mean, they've inserted the Joker into it. Um, and he wasn't in the principal photography. Oh, okay. Previously. Okay. Um, so there are, yeah, which is such a weird because I think he, a lot of the claims have been, oh no, it's it's there, it's sitting on the shelf, it's ready to go, and obviously that's not that wasn't true. I'll, I'll quickly go through a few different superhero ones then because there are, I say, the, the alternative. I think so. There's kind of trying to fix a fix a bad film. I think basically we've covered or fix a bad version of a film is what we've mm. said so far. But I think there's also a thing, and it's, I think it's less popular now. Um, because you don't sell DVDs in anywhere near the same quantities. But there was a, a time where kind of releasing an extended version of an already beloved film was a thing. So Spider-Man 2.1, uh, which was just an uh, extended version of Spider-Man 2. Uh, Fantastic Four, the first one, which um, wasn't a great film by any means, but they released an extended version of that. wasn't fantastic. It wasn't fantastic. Um, and in fact, have you seen the original Fantastic... Well, not the original. Let's not get bogged down. Have you seen that version of Fantastic Four? Yes. <laughs> yes. There's no reason for you to remember. There's a scene where Erwin um, Crawford, Reed Richards, um, kisses Invisible Woman, but she's invisible and he accidentally kisses her nose um, to much merriment. In the extended version, that happens twice. Um, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> I can't think that was intentional. That must have been like two altern- alternative choices. And they're like, well, let's just chuck that in as well. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it, it wasn't even referenced back to the previous time when they did it it's just the exact same scenario playing out in two different locations <laughs> well you get that don't you with um the a new hope special edition all right where you have the scene with greedo and han solo hmm. in the cantina yep. and then you have the scene with han solo and jabba which was not included in the original theatrical mm. version but was reinserted for the special edition and yeah, it sort it of just covers some of the same ground, mm. which I think is because when they tried to cut the Jabba scene, they basically took some of that information right, right, right. and gave it to Greedo as dialogue. Yes. So you sort of, it doesn't really make sense to have it there. Interesting. The only time in all of Star Wars, I think that anyone is referred to as a human being um, is in oh, that yeah. scene where, where Han refers to um, Jabba as a human being, which he was in the original. Yeah. 
shoot as you know um yeah we'll come on to star wars because i think that's going to be a <laughs> um there was a interesting uh, days of future x-men days of future past uh, my last last one of these um which i think is the best x-men film maybe and i really like i would it. agree yeah um there was the rogue cut um so rogue's character from x-men oh yeah i've um, not seen that but i have heard of it yeah hmm. i mean it's, it is it is good i mean i've, I've got it it's it's um but it's more because people love this character and were sad she wasn't in it. Mm. Narratively, it doesn't really add anything much, and you can kind of see why they took it out. But it's more it'd be nice to see her. Um, other ones adding into an already popular film, uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, possibly the only film series where, or the only films where they plan to have a director's cut even before they've put the film out, I, or even I don't know at what point in filming they decided they're going to do that have you seen both versions of lord of the rings oh. yeah because i saw i saw them all at the cinema and i've seen them all on dvd so but not for a long time because yeah. i i controversially am not a massive fan of the lord of the rings films fair enough enough to watch them twice but not but you draw the line yeah there. well i i love the book so right, um right. i sort of really wanted to like them so i, I think okay. i've actually watched them several times sort right. of <laughs> trying to trying to force yourself trying to see what everyone else sees but <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, I do that with drinking coffee. Every few years, I'll, I'll try coffee again just to, <laughs> just, just to check. Like, no, I still don't like it. Why, why does everyone go on about coffee? Um, yeah, no, I, I love the films. I think more at the time than than now. I, I still love the first one a great deal, but I think Diminishing Returns maybe with, with the, the others. But yeah, I, I have, again, I've not seen them. I'm not sure I've seen them since I watched them back to back a few years ago. Um no. I, cert- I certainly liked the Fellowship of the Ring when I saw it in the cinema, right. and I, I still think I still would say overall I do like that one. I think it's more yeah. the uh, Two Towers and Return of the King. I'm not fair enough. Yeah, that I mean, Fellowship, Fellowship's my favourite, but I did like I liked it as, as well. But that's an interesting one where they, they shot stuff with no intention of ever putting it in the initial film, but no. Yeah, it's, and apparently on, even on set they're going to be saying, "Oh, that's one with the extended." I'll, I'll let you. I'm sure you've got a list as well. But um, uh, Apocalypse Now. Have you have you seen Apocalypse Now? And if so, which version? I have seen Apocalypse Now, not the Redux version, which I think is dramatically different, isn't it? Well, I haven't. I haven't seen the Redux. I didn't realize. I I, I know that there's um there's a lot longer, um, mm. and includes a scene where they're chatting with a French family. That's the extent of what I know about that one. But um, I didn't like Apocalypse Now. I my main feeling is who watched that film and thought, you know, what's the problem with this? It's not long enough. <laughs> I, that wasn't my response. Um, I don't know. I don't know the backstory of this one really. But whether um, I'm, I'm assuming it's one of these kind of everyone loved it, so they said, "Well, let's have some more." Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I don't know much about it beyond the fact that the Redux version exists. And, and again, filmed without a full script. I think a lot of it was kind of improvised, or um, even the whole scenes like like the, the scene where they fly in some is it Playboy. Uh, models of and they're like I don't think that was in the script it's just like well let's do that that sounds fun um, and then Mon and Brando hadn't learned any lines anyway so he just turned up and did whatever <laughs> oh, uh, do you have any you wanted to uh, to cover that I've not well so there's one which is um, the Beauty and the Beast you know the 1991 cartoon version okay I was very confused a few years ago when I went to rewatch this right and there was suddenly an extra song in it that was never in the version that I saw as okay. a child. And I had to look this up. And apparently in 2002, they did a re-release where they added back in the song Human Again, which had been cut from the original version. And 
Okay, but it's, it wasn't it wasn't newly done. It was just added back in. Yeah, it was. I think it had been it had been a song that had been I think written during the original development process, and then they'd obviously decided not to include it. Okay. And I do not think it adds anything. And, but I don't know whether I just find it jarring because I watched that film a lot of times as a kid, and then suddenly there's an extra bit that feels like it shouldn't be there to me. Yeah. Um... Because it, and that seems to. I mean, I've not actually seen the original Beauty and the Beast. I'm afraid. Um, again, long running listeners will know that I have a my greatest, my, great, yeah, my greatest fear is 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 um, inanimate things becoming alive. <laughs> uh, not not as, not in that I'm scared it actually will happen, but when I see it, it terrifies me. Um, so I did what again. Zijan made me watch the um, the live action version, um, which I didn't actually find as scary as anticipating, but still clocks coming alive anyway also as a study uh, of probability as i am uh, from my days in, as a math student and, and later an actuarial student the idea that someone called mr cogsworth turns into a, to a clock <laughs> is just uh, i'm just not on board with that uh that i mean that seems to me it was like a, we need to shift copies of this i don't know if it's in cinemas or whether it was dvd but um, we need to shift sales so let's uh yeah yeah yeah, and I think that you've got things like um, E.T. to the 20th anniversary edition that yeah. redid the effects, which I'm 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 completely on board with that personally. The, the only thing I know about E.T. is that they changed the guns to walkie-talkies. Um, oh, that is true, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, so, they, but they, they redid all the effects. I so wonder whether the- redoing the guns to walkie-talkies is that ratings thing, though, which is that maybe it would have had to have been re-rated, and having the guns meant that it would have been a higher rating. Maybe I, mean, I think that for that one, it was Steven Spielberg just decided he didn't like guns. Okay, um, but but yeah, the, I saw uh, Lilo and Stitch, which is again a film I've not seen. There's, there's a scene um, where whichever one is the kid, I don't know if that's Lilo or Stitch, um, hides in a, a tumble dryer, I think, or a washing machine, um, and it's now on Disney Plus, and they've changed it to a cupboard. Um, I guess because they're scared of kids climbing into washing machines. So, um, there are, that's not necessarily a ratings thing, but it's kind of <laughs> appropriateness thing, I suppose. Well, I mean, so let's let's move on to Star Wars. We're we're, we're almost on Star Wars, and there's one where they've edited out characters occasionally, and as much as they've replaced them with new actors. So, this, for those of you who aren't Star Wars fans, hey Simon, um, you will not know, but everyone else will. There is the original theatrical version, and then there was the 1997 version, and then I think the 2001 version. And then probably later versions after that. Yeah, I think I think there's been some continuous tinkering with them. Um, even in fact, even moving into Disney Plus, there were some changes. Um, yeah, famously, uh, Greedo now says McClunky um, <laughs> for no reason. So this, so you've said for ET, you're happy with them going in and changing changing effects. Um, to me, I feel I mean, going back to ET for a second, that feels a little short sighted because what looks good in whenever. They're, they did that. I don't know, two thousand and five, make up year. Um, probably doesn't look good anymore. So, like, do you do you come back and do it every few years? Or, or well, or yeah, I think I think I suppose the thing I would say with that is it depends how bad the original effect looked. Yeah, okay. which I you yeah. know I don't know. No, I, yeah, in front of, I've probably seen the new version actually. I think that's one I've got. So yeah. Um, so Star Wars, how do you feel about all this? Um, he, he's gone in, he's changed a lot of stuff, he's added stuff, he's he's replaced characters with other characters. So uh, this is going to be a long question with lots of subclasses. Um, so uh, what's his name? Boba Fett was revoiced. Uh, Anakin uh. Skywalker got replaced. Uh, they removed the eyebrows from <laughs> Darth Vader. Um, all sorts of CGI shenanigans going on. What, what do you reckon? So 
the original version, like the first version of the Star Wars films I ever saw, was the original theatrical versions on uh, on VHS when I was a kid, right? Okay, if I if I were a little bit older, maybe I would have done, but no. <laughs> You're such a young young man. <laughs> but so so then when the special editions came out in 1997, I thought they were great. Like you know, mm. I was how old was I then? Twelve, probably. Twelve. Um, yeah, I was probably 11. <laughs> so I... That's my last one. <laughs> but, you know, I, I loved them. I thought they, mm. you know, I thought it was a massive improvement. Okay. Um, watching them back subsequently as an adult, I think there are elements that I'm, I'm on board with them changing. Because okay. I think that the actual original versions, you know, you think they're made in like the 70s and early 80s. Hmm. And you think what films from the 70s and the early 80s look like. Yeah, you know, sort of, you know, your westerns and catchers. Yeah, I don't know that they would have had the continued popularity in life they have, maybe so much if they'd just been left looking that way. That's interesting because I, I have seen several versions. I think so. I, I well, yeah. So I, I've seen the originals that got re-released um, a while ago. Although even those, I think, was not quite the theatrical release. There were some changes. If you're really mm. hard coffee, not. I have actually bought these kind of, um, and this is probably illegal, but um, the the I can't remember the, the D oh, specialized D specialized edition. Yeah, I've got those. I've not yet got around to watching them. Oh, can we watch uh, that sometime? Because I really want to see those. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it when we're allowed in the same uh, building. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. It's a it's a plan. I think kids still love the additions, and you get and a lot of the additions are kind of comedy stuff. So like they go to um, oh goodness me, uh, Moss Eisley, yeah, uh, and there's like things falling on the ground, and there's people going getting knocked over and stuff, and, and kids love that. Um, I think they get worse as the films go on. So when he, when he's um, gone to see Jabba the Hutt, and they've got that weird thing singing, um, yeah. It's horrendous, and and a classic example of what looked good in two thousand and five, or two thousand one, or whatever it was, uh, now looks terrible. I, I think I think that to me is the thing, isn't it? Is that I think the special effects that they inserted was done to look kind of modern for the time. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of think to me, what I would like to see is them probably retain some of the changes that they made. Yeah, but yeah. make it look as if it had been done in the. 70s and 80s if they as much as possible because some of the changes i think you're right are are good and some of them quite subtle um like mm. some stuff like some things that got are written in english and it was changed to be written in whatever the star wars language is and, yeah and i think yeah i'm all on, on board with that but in in general i think the fact that he keeps coming back I and mean, he can't anymore he's sold it now but um, <laughs> just kept coming back and tinkering with it is for, for a man who basically made so yeah one or well, three films that are era-definingly brilliant. Mm. Had a big hand in Indiana Jones, which most people love, and then did nothing else of note ever. You can kind of understand why he's coming back to the same thing. And apologies if people love Red Tails um, <laughs> or Howard the Duck, um, which I, I've seen clips of and haunts me. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I think that coming back and over and over, I think you just got to let go, haven't you, at some point? Just so we're, we're done here. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so I think I think with the Star Wars, there's a guy called Adiwan who has basically mm. been doing a version of them, um, which he's effectively trying to do what he thinks the special edition should have been. 
Okay, that's fun. So, which, uh, which I think is effectively what I'm talking about, which is kind of more subtle changes yeah, yeah. and making it kind of look like the, the, the changes are inserted a bit more naturally into the footage. And you can probably even iron out some inconsistencies if you were... I mean, there's so many films now that there's so many contradictions I expect in the whole yeah. story. Uh, which brings, brings us on to, uh, to something you suggested, which is uh, director's cuts we would like to see. Yeah. Um, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, so I think the one when I was thinking about this that immediately jumped out in my mind is I Am Legend. Okay. Have you seen I Am Legend? Yeah, yeah. Not since, not since the cinema, but yeah. So my, my memory of that, and I haven't seen it for a... Quite a while, but is that half of that film is brilliant, which mm. is basically the half that's in daylight, where it's just sort of Will Smith going around by his own with his dog, kind mm. of losing his mind a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then the actual stuff with the kind of vampires, zombie, monster things at yeah. night is pretty rubbish. Because that was one, I guess, the point kind of where they reshot the ending completely, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that is the film that. I would love to see if you could actually, you know, maybe redoing the effects or, or mm. I mean, I guess this is talking about like, if you're talking about films that would get the Snyder cut treatment, right? Where you'd go and spend a lot of yes. money on them. Yeah. Maybe you'd even reshoot footage and stuff. Like the age Will Smith. Like, yeah. In fact, as he was just the aged in whatever film it was, the Angley Gemini Directory. Man. Gemini Man, that's it. Yeah. Um, which... which considering that, uh, um, it's based on a book called Omega Man, wasn't it? Uh, I Am Legend. Yes. Um, he, he's, he's going yeah. through his, uh, but but so you know that is something that i don't think there's any appetite for anyone to do that but like plausibly you probably could go back and like yeah fix that film and, and that's something that i think i would quite like to see because interesting I, when you mentioned this i was looking through the films trying to think the ones i'd like and i guess the because the, 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 the topic i was talking about where it's kind of like a film that everyone loves and just putting more of it mm. generally i found that i don't think there really are any apart from, basically mostly because if I really like a film, then I like the film. I don't want. I'm, I don't want. I don't necessarily need more of it. The closest I came was Scott Pilgrim. I thought I love Scott Pilgrim. I would happily see some extra. Mm. Also, a lot of the films I don't think quite worked. I wouldn't trust the director to fix it. I'd want someone else to do the cut. Yeah. Because um, I, I know traditionally people, there's a story of um, the, the idea is the director has got this great vision and then the studio comes in and wrecks it, and I'm, and that happens sometimes I'm, I'm probably quite a lot and i just finished reading a book simon got me called um, the devil's candy which is about the making of bonfire the vanities and a large part of that is how the studio basically messed up Brian de palmer's idea for for bonfire the vanities but a lot of these films so martin scorsese uh, i think is is a great director obviously i mean that's not controversial and i do love several of his films um but particularly his most recent set of films i think they're all way too long yeah um and i think wolf of wall street for example I think that's a, a great film if you cut maybe 45 minutes out of it. Um, I, or The Irishman if you cut two hours out of it. And, and he, so a director's cut is the last thing I want because directors <laughs> tend to add stuff in, don't they? I mean, almost always. You want like an editor's cut? Yeah, although I blame... I can't remember her name now. Schumacher. Theresa Schumacher? Basically, there's an editor he's worked with for decades who is, who's kind of very highly regarded as one of the great editors. So I, I want a different... <laughs> <laughs> I want my cut. I want to just go in there and just chop chop away bits until, uh, until yes. And there's a few like that. So um, Boyhood, uh, okay, I, I thought was a really great idea, but ran for 45 minutes too long. I think just meandered a lot. Um, I was wearing JFK, 
which I, I got of a stone, which um, I've not seen for a very long time. But I remember thinking the last half hour of this is really good, uh, but it's a three-hour film or something. So yeah, you could have uh, really cut down. Um, but the one I uh, Rocky Four uh, I mentioned um, um, partly because it's actually getting a director's cut. I was about to say, is this mm. a, they're taking out the robot, aren't they? They're taking out the robot, and again, listeners to this show will know. Every time Rocky Four comes up, and I crowbar it into quite a lot of stuff, um, I always complain about the damn robot. <laughs> Because it's a great, great uh, villain character. I think the, uh, the whole idea of him going to Russia and fighting him is, is good. I think that the, the um, emotion of kind of the, the death of Apollo Creed and stuff is done a lot better than some of the series. I think it could fit very well. And then there's a robot that falls in love with Pauly. <laughs> I mean, presumably some of the motivation for redoing that now is because of the Creed films, right? I think so. I mean, so it's being driven by Sylvester Sloan, I think. Mm. But yeah, I think Rocky's become popular again, off, you know, say, off the back of Creed. Well, then it's it's relevant backstory for Creed, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah particularly for, uh, off the back of Creed 2. Yeah. Where, um, where you had uh, Dolph Lundgren back again as even Drago. Mm. Also, the music cues in Rocky 4 are pretty bad. So um, I'm hoping they're going to fix those. But, um, it was if it's time. So yeah, that that was one I was. What, have you got any any uh, any others? Well, it's interesting you talked about um, Scorsese because one of mine is Gangs of New York, hmm. which hmm. is a film that I really really enjoyed right up until the ending, which I thought just seemed really rushed and a bit not very satisfying. All oh, right, so you, you want more Scorsese? Is this well? Uh... In, so I was listening again to um, Simon Bruce Film Stories podcast, which I'm, I'm not here to stealth promote. <laughs> Available on all good podcast platforms. Yeah. But he, he, one of the films he was talking about recently was Gangs of New York. And he was saying that apparently there was massive studio um, interference from Harvey Weinstein, right, who right. basically wanted them to just sort of finish shooting and like, um, mm. And so I think they basically didn't have time to actually, you know, finish okay. the film properly. And that's why the ending is rushed, because it literally was rushed. And it always feels to me that there's a lot of student pressure on, on the casting of that one, potentially. Because, mm. I mean, it was at a time where Leo was by, by far best known for Titanic. And the idea of him working with Scorsese was seen as quite weird. And obviously now he's worked with him yeah. most times. Um, but Cameron Diaz, I think, wasn't wasn't brilliant in, in that um, you know, because I hadn't seen it for quite a long time, and I had forgotten that she was in it until um, uh, this other podcast, <laughs> whose name I won't repeat. Good, good. Um, yeah, yeah it does seem odd casting. In retrospect, it seems odd casting because I don't think she's gone on to have, say, the different career path that Leonardo DiCaprio has. When now, in retrospect, that seems perfectly reasonable casting. Yes, I mean, Cameron Diaz. There came a point, maybe. 15 years ago where she decided that she didn't care what about the quality of her films mm. I, I can only assume because she just <laughs> did it I mean it's not like she was taking risks and they weren't coming off or even that she was doing basic genre fare that was solid she was just doing absolute garbage uh, time after time and has now retired mm. she's she's done an Emma Watson uh, although no one noticed for a few years it was a bit sad <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, um, okay I I, I, I think I, this is the thing. I guess Harvey Weinstein is now obviously um, everyone knows what a terrible person he is, but it does mean that people are now feel freer to point out the, the changes he'd made to films that people didn't like. I guess a lot of these, I thought, well, there's no point in a director's cut because this is so utterly broken. Yeah, like, there isn't the footage that you can reinsert. It was it was ruined from day one or from as soon as the studio got the hands. 
Uh, one that I would love to see um, directors cut off is, uh, is the most recent Fantastic Four. Um, have you seen that one? Uh, no, because I sort of just read how mm. dreadful it was. But And it is utterly terrible. Um, but it's it's because it was basically two different types of film crushed together with yeah. massive studio interference. I mean, he was basically banned from the, banned from the set, I think. Uh, that might not, might not be true, but he was basically had no control whatsoever and, and he had this idea of basically kind of body horror type film like where you know people really graphically well not graphically actually but it's kind of like how, what do you do if you just suddenly discover that you your body has changed completely and, and yeah really quite interesting ideas and all the stuff about the what does the u.s army do and can take when they find out these weapons and stuff and so it's kind of half that and half a kind of traditional mcu style thing and then really crazily rushed ending like you couldn't quite believe it's like the villain turns up and then 10 minutes later they've defeated him and like, all right is that it okay <laughs> uh, so awful awful film but I, but there is a full i think i, I think a, a completed version his his initial version well, he tweeted he that didn't he mm, that's right Josh yeah so i would love to see that version i mean it might be terrible anyway who knows but at least it's something rather than a kind of a mash of and some of these I just want to see just to find out how how bad they actually were, which is why I watched Fantastic Four again just to remember was it was it really as bad as I saw this one? And yes, yes, it, yes, it is. I, th- I suppose the thing with that is like because presumably if if um, the Snyder Cut does well, hmm. people will be looking at like, oh, what else can we do this for? But I, I wonder yeah. with Fantastic Four, you know, it's a film like I don't think there's any kind of buzz or around it. A lot of people desperate to see the trank cut, and also I think he kind of burned his bridges with the studio, right? Uh, and every other studio, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's done. He's done because he got taken off Star Wars off the back of that. Yeah, I think he's basically destroyed his career, hasn't he? Yeah, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. although he made Capone afterwards, which is on, which apparently is not great, but um, but he's, he's still. Oh, is that him with um, yeah. Tom Hardy? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think he's I think he I think he's happier as a kind of indie take risks director as opposed yeah. to because um, uh, Chronicle was him and is a fantastic film. Yeah, I really uh, like that. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, because some people were doing the Suicide Squad because that was taken away from David Ayer basically, and, and maybe yeah. we'll get a, a new version. But I mean, since we got the James Gunn version or James Gunn new film coming out, I don't think we're going to get that. I guess the reason one of these was, was uh, Superman Two, where it got taken off Richard Donner and given to Richard Lester, and then they did the, the Richard Donner cut, but that was half finished so it's like sketches and i've not seen it yeah no i've not seen it um uh any any others you wanted to see so the only other one that i think could be interesting would be um solo i've got solo actually on on here yeah yeah Yeah, um i mean who knows i think it sounds like the the tone the original directors were going for was much more comedy um yeah phil chris miller yeah Um, and i can i suppose i can see why Disney kind of lost their nerve with that because mm. that obviously is not classic Star Wars. But I mean, yeah. I, I think I'd have been... I think, you know, Solo's an okay film, but it, it sort of didn't really feel like it was anything much. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, absolutely. Just a really bland, nothing kind of film. Yeah, I, I agree, absolutely. I, I would have liked to see the Lord and Miller version, even if they're swinging for the fences and it doesn't work. I'd like to see how it goes i I suspect Um, it might not have been good star wars but i suspect it mm. might have been quite a fun film yeah and i think yeah i've also got rogue one here because um gareth edwards has taken off that basically for a lot of reshoots and there's all sorts of stuff in the trailers massive stuff in the trailers that looks really good and didn't make the final version and and it'd be interesting to to see see what that i mean that was a good film rogue one so i think they 
probably kept it more or less what he was doing but just fixed whatever they thought was wrong rather than completely redoing it yeah because i sort of tentatively had rogue one down mm. but I, again like i actually think what they ended up with is good yeah and i did so, wonder whether he just he filmed some cool scenes but it didn't work narratively maybe i, I don't yeah i don't, I don't know, know. Uh, i've not actually seen his other um what i would like to see and this is maybe and this is never going to happen either is, is age of ultron avengers age of ultron I'm, I'm, that is also on my yeah. list nice yeah <laughs> I love the Avengers. It's one of my favorite films. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good. Joss Whedon, I say, I really love his directing style. Um, and Age of Ultron, I came out really disappointed, but yeah. I, I find it's the one I go back to almost more than any other because there's so much in it that I do love. So I, I love the whole uh, Bruce and Nat thing. I, I love dialogue. I, I love, uh, well, I think, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are great. I, and all, all sorts of stuff in it that I think is great. It just doesn't hang together well as a film because it's jumping from set piece to set piece to set piece and setting up all of um, phase three um, of, of the MCU. Well, I think he said that there was a lot of studio interference, wasn't there? And they yeah. cut, I think they cut a lot of the character stuff that he liked and is famous for, which... Yeah, yeah. And, and he had things like, so Thor goes off and has to set up Thor Ragnarok and, and he does it yeah. really clumsily. And, and think, But either either I'd like to... See, yeah, I, I think this is one where director, a director's cut would work because you could give... Because it doesn't matter if it's four hours long, yeah. um, if if you just kind of go nuts with it. Although having said that, I have seen some of the deleted scenes and thought actually no, you were right to cut this bit of this, this scene because <laughs> um, it really, really. And occasionally I do see, um, like the spectacular now is one of my favorite films, uh, Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller um, film, and I watched the deleted scenes of that, and it really kind of ruins one uh, Shailene Woodley's character. Um, okay, and I think. Because yeah, basically, without getting into too much, because we've gone way over. Anyway, um, she gets really drunk and angry and kind of really quite nasty. And I think, okay. um, I think well, that's not what this character is. And I think it's just probably on the day she didn't play it. I mean, I'm sure she did what the director wanted, but in hindsight, it didn't work in film. So it kind of made sense there. I've also got Rebecca, the most recent Rebecca, uh, on Netflix, basically because it's Ben Wheatley who I think does some really interesting stuff, and he feels like he was very neutered by the studio. It feels doesn't yeah really... so I, know, I normally like his stuff i haven't seen it i didn't realize it was him yeah and this almost all no trace of 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 his style there was one one or two scenes where you can kind of see him coming through but i don't know whether that was interference or whether it was him trying a different thing or, or what it was but um it's not a great film and i feel that i don't know whether it's possible to have salvaged that from what was finished or whether it was early. i suspect it was quite early on they decided the route they were going to go it seems like an odd film for him to have made from his previous yes although yeah. the next film he was going to make and he's now off this um was um the next tomb raider film <laughs> um and that feels a very odd choice and i say he's not doing it anymore but i think why on earth did you ever want to do that i mean i guess i mean am i getting that right no, wait a minute am i getting maybe i could sort of imagine that more i would say I'm not wondering whether it's actually... Who's doing the Meg sequel? Someone weird is doing the Meg sequel. It yeah, is. It's him, ben, yeah. ben Wheatley's doing the Meg sequel. Anyway, who knows what's going on there. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it could be good. You got any more? I think, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered the subject matter. Good job. Uh, <laughs> yep, uh, we've nailed director's cuts. Um, <laughs> I, in turn, will be the director of this podcast and cut out um, some of that. I think what you'll have to do is you'll have to do a short version and a director's cut version. <laughs> Maybe I'll just release um, released unconnected, deleted scenes alongside it. 
So it's just me, basically just me slandering John Wayne for ten minutes. That's, <laughs> that could be that could be added back in. Oh, actually, because I teed it up earlier and I haven't paid it off. Um, oh yes. I don't know whether it would quite fall under the director's cut, but Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, you did say, yes. Yeah. I, I, people would have been very frustrated if that hadn't been paid off. They, they would have blamed me. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the plucky podcast, and I'm the, uh, the editor just slashing away at your... Um, is, is it just to remove the racism? Or is it, Effectively, more- yeah. I, I, what I think would be interesting with that is I imagine that there's, there's now the technology that you could probably just cut him out and yeah. insert a, another actor doing something that wasn't racist to fill the <laughs> hole. Just, yes. Yes, just slaughtering a whale. Um, I, mean, I can't remember any any purpose the upstairs neighbour uh, serves in that film. I'm sure there is one, but I can't think what it is. But yeah, that, so that's that's that. That was paid off now. That's so. paid off. I'll, I can't remember who directed uh, Breakfast Tiffany's, if I even knew. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, Ed. Uh, well, <laughs> they, they, they did bring back Ildi Hepburn for some chocolate bar ad, didn't they? So maybe they can, uh, maybe they can uh, react. <laughs> That feels like the kind of thing that there'll be a remake of at some point. Or a yeah. Is there a musical version? I think there is a musical version. Uh, we move on then to the quiz, um, where to say traditionally people come on here and then beat me. But and then occasionally Zijan claims he should have their points as his representative. <laughs> I'm um, happy for him to have my points. <laughs> Fortunately, Zijan for some reason never listens to these when he's not on them, so he'll <laughs> he'll, he'll never know you said that. Um, uh, we're, we're quizzing about Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. That's not a difficult thing to say. Um, hey, do you want to kick us off? Okay, yes. What was Taika Waititi's first full-length feature film? Uh, I think it was Eagle vs. Shark. Yes, that is correct. Excellent. Let's see if we've pitched these at the same difficulty level. Um, <laughs> I watched that for the first time uh, towards the end of last year. Disappointing. Uh, question one Taika Waititi's upcoming film Next Goal Wins is about which national football team ooh I'm assuming it's about some some sort of obscure slightly hopeless football team yeah yeah ooh what would be a football team like like the Faroe Islands I guess you could say they're like the Faroe it's American Samoa who famously lost uh 33 nil to Australia, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, you say famously, Colin. Fa- so famous that I can't even remember. The- <laughs> basically, Australia won one game like 18 nil, and the next one like 30 something nil or something like this. And, and they basically moved them out of the Australasian qualification group to the Asian one because they were so much better than anyone else in Australasia. <laughs> um, uh, hit me with your question two, Ed. Uh, yeah, question two. What was Taika Waititi's first superhero film? Uh... That was Green Lantern. That is correct, which he acted in, playing Thomas Kalmaku, apparently. Oh, yeah, good name. It's probably a, <laughs> probably a, one in, a real character from the comic books. I would imagine so. <laughs> so Much beloved. <laughs> in fact, from, I, just, I don't read many comics, but, but probably, almost everyone who appears in these things later becomes a superhero themselves, so probably, uh, probably a fan favourite. Uh, question two, who played Gordon in Eagle vs. Shark? Okay, so I, I haven't actually seen it, okay. but I am going to guess Jermaine Clement. It's Taika Waititi. Oh, I knew it had to be either him or Taika Waititi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, on a similar theme, question three. What role does Taika Waititi play in Hunt for the Wilder People? Uh, he plays the minister. That is correct. 
Uh, question three: Which of Taika Waititi's films did he co-direct? Which of his films did he co-direct? I am going to say um, what we do in the shadows. That is correct. Yes, uh, with Jermaine Clement. Mm. I only very recently realised it was Jermaine rather than Jermaine, which sounds the same in my accent, but um, <laughs> doesn't have an R. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. I don't know how I've been saying it now. You've made me second guess everything. <laughs> well, I think British accent, in, or the English accent at least, inserts R's where there aren't there or takes them out mm. where they are. So um, I, whenever Americans are talking about FIFA, they always complain that we pronounce FIFA with an R, but I, I don't hear it myself. But um. mm. Okay, that's me now. Is, no, is it me now? Uh, it yeah. is you, question four. Yeah. Question four. In Thor Ragnarok, who are the three actors who play Thor, Loki, and Odin in the Asgardian play about the death of Loki? Uh, Loki is Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, Odin is Sam Neill. Yeah. And Loki is one of the Hemsworths. Uh, it's either Luke or Liam. Uh, I'm going to say Luke. Correct. Oh, yes. Yeah, Matt Damon's coming back for the next Thor, apparently. Um, yeah, I, I heard that on uh, on your previous podcast. There you go. There you go. Uh, question four. Which of Taika Waititi's directorial films was adapted from the book Caging Skies? Caging Skies. I read this earlier. Yes. <laughs> Can I is, remember what the answer is? I have that feeling most most times we do this. <laughs> um, what, what was it? I can see. I can see if you start googling it. <laughs> I a... was so tempted to just look up, not try and look up the answer, but look up the names of all those films and I see. Saw, if I, I could saw your hands that. moving to the keyboard. I could. Yeah. I just wanted to see if I get a list of his films, and then I would remember. I see, think because Zeej and I do this not on on with video. We just do it recording, and I'm always I'm always suspicious. He's got he's got loads of paperwork around him. He claims <laughs> not, but it's. A... Um, I think. It was Jojo Rabbit. It was Jojo Rabbit. Good work. I've got no idea why. I don't know what Caging Skies has to do with anything. But, um. No, I think... So I think what I read earlier was that he... It was originally based on Caging Skies, and then I think he quite significantly rewrote it in the sort of subsequent drafts. Okay. Because I think he wrote the first draft of it back in, like, 2012, and right. then obviously couldn't get it made for ages, I think, or, you know, mm. just other things took priority or whatever. Fair enough. Uh Question five, Ed. Okay, question five. And this is my... I've, I've left a difficult one for the end, so if you get okay. this, I'll be impressed. All right, clean sweep if I do. What are the names of the two dogs in Hunt for the Wilder People? Now, my question five is about one of the dogs from Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> um, I didn't know there were two, so this is going to be tricky. Well, So, so to, to give away your... Since you've got the answer in front of you, one of them is called Tupac. Yeah. Um... The other one, uh, I have got no idea. So it's going to be, what, what kind of, I mean, I have seen this film a couple of times. Um, I'm guessing, so that was his dog. I'm guessing the other one was probably uh, uh, Sam Neill's dog. dog. Yeah. Sam Neill's not going to be naming his dog after a rapper. Uh, it's probably Rex. It is Zag. Zag, okay. <laughs> Close. Which I had to look that up because I didn't remember it either. <laughs> Uh, so that's four for me here's your last question uh, um, 
Uh, who does Ricky Baker name his dog after? Who does? Wow, slightly different question. Who does Ricky <laughs> Baker name his dog after in Hunt for the Wilder People? Um, so I believe yes. he names him after the uh, rapper Tupac. Uh, yes. His surname is, I think, is Shakar, I want to say. Think, I would have said Shakur, but it could be Shakur. Shakar. It could be Shakur. I, I'm, I'm going to level with you, Ed. Uh, rap is not one of my specialist uh, I'm, I'm going to level with you, Colin. It's also not one of my specialist <laughs> subjects. Okay. Uh, well, we'll apologise to the late uh, Tupac um, for that. But yeah, there we go. 4-3 uh, then. It was close in the end, but I'm um, claiming yeah. a victory. Um, and so I'm quite happy with Zijan to take your... Uh, your <laughs> Uh, if you want to do that um, next time uh, Zijan is back we're talking about we're talking about Disney Plus Star in fact we're talking about all the, the films that are available on there to, for people who have Disney Plus and looking for recommendations uh, we're also going to look at Dancers with Wolves in our se- uh, series of Look Back in Oscar uh, films I'm quizzing on something but Zijan has not yet told me what it is so I don't know <laughs> uh, it's been a great pleasure Ed having you uh, on the podcast thanks for thanks for coming uh, uh, and taking Zijan's place yeah it's been really fun thank you for having me uh, Zijan usually ends by saying bye. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to do the the honors, Ed? Bye. <laughs>